0: and I might have to say this again. Oh, there we go. Um, Thank you for joining us for our discipleship class. This week, we are setting from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, uh, Chapter 106, Cutting and Slashing. Um, Before we get started, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to share my live feed uh, before we actually jump into the chapter. All right, um, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for another Sabbath day, another opportunity to just meet with you and commune with you and to um, spend some time with you. And we pray that as we uh, go through this lesson, we send your Holy Spirit, Lord, to come and abide in us and open up our understanding. And Lord, uh, also help us to retain this information that we're reading and most of all to apply it in our own lives, the principles that we are studying, Lord. And we're just so thankful and we praise you, Lord, for this this spirit of prophecy lord and uh may we uh this class uh glorify your name in jesus name we pray amen okay i'm gonna share my amen. feed for give me just a minute i'm gonna share it okay there we go all right. Cutting and slashing. That title, what did that bring to mind for anybody? Anybody? Got any seamstresses out there?
1: This is, this is Sister Harper. And when I think of cutting and slashing, and it's sad to say, but I think of those young people that cut themselves, you know, and feel like they're so unworthy.
2: Mm. And
1: it's You know, it's just like hurting the body because they hurt inside.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a very
1: unfortunate
0: association. Uh, Lakita, you're a seamstress. What did it make you think of, that
2: title? Because we're reading um, testimonies and slashing seems to be like getting people, well, two things. One, Words hurting other people. And then the second thing is the dross that is on us. Those are the two things. that. What was the second thing? A way the dross that's on us. Getting rid of the dross that's on us. Oh, the oh. First, Yeah, the okay. first thing is uh, you know, saying words that hurt other people.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
3: Just okay. kind of reminded me, of, uh, put me in mind of people who are just rude but will we'll make excuses for yeah. their rudeness. Yeah. But they don't okay. care about your feelings. They just come in, like it says, cutting and slashing and basically trying to hurt your feelings too mm. and, make, and make themselves feel better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'll tell you, when I first saw it and as a seamstress, I'm thinking, oh, okay. Uh, my very first association was with sewing. And, you know, you're cutting out patterns and making patterns and you're doing that kind of thing. But then, of course, because we're studying the spirit of prophecy, my association went to people who are saying improper things and doing improper things and uh, just saying whatever they want and don't care about the consequences of their words and their actions. So, yeah, pretty much uh, because we're studying from the spirit of prophecy, I had to, uh, of course, think that it was going to be about the second, the second thing. Okay. Um, Cutting and slashing. And she gives a kind of a two, two, actually two different definitions in that first paragraph. Uh, The first one dealing with uh, this expression is often used to represent the manners and words of persons who reprove those who are wrong or are supposed to be wrong. So uh, reproving the wrong. And then she says, but It's improperly applied to those who have no duty to reprove their brethren, yet they're ready to engage in this work in a rash and unsparing manner. So some people, that's not their gift from God, that's not their talent, but they do it anyway. (laughs) So there would be another word for them. (laughs) Those people who are doing that and it's not their gift or their talent. But then she also says it is improperly applied to those who have a special duty to do in reproving wrongs in the church. And such have the burden of the work and feel compelled from a love of precious souls to deal faithfully. So she's talking about two different groups of people here: the ones that don't have any kind of duty, and then the and do it anyway, and then the ones that do have a duty, and they do it out of love because they have a burden for souls. So, um, have you all ever encountered the first the first one people who just want to just
3: want to slash people and tell them off? Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I mean, we've all probably run across those people in church and out of church, but one of the things that always gets me is, is if you say something, or before they say something, they always say, oh, the Lord told me, or I just have to, I just have to tell it, or this is just who I am, and and that's the way I am. I'm just, I, I'm, I love you, and blah, blah, blah. You know, they basically are, setting you up first with all these preface of saying these things to make you think oh it's okay when really all they're doing is making themselves feel more bold to say it so if i say oh the lord told me to tell you now i feel more emboldened to say what i want to say anyway and the lord haven't told me nothing mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: anybody else and I think what Elder Carol is saying is true, and I think when other people, and I don't want to say clicks, that's a terrible thing for me to say, but it's true when the clicks, you know, tell that person, girl, you really got that person told her, you really... And it's like they get a validation from, from the ones who should be telling them, you didn't handle that right, you could have went to that person one-on-one and yeah, been that's... gentle as a dove, you didn't even tell them the same thing that you wanted to say, but... It's like the other ones will will pep them up as if, you know, since you're one of us, then whatever you say, we're going to back you. And it, it, that God is not like that. Mm-hmm.
3: Very true.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then the next paragraph. Uh... Oh,
3: be- before you go there, Karen, I'm just okay. following up on what Patsy said, which was okay. an excellent point. You know, even though Christ reproved people, he truly did it in love for their soul salvation. He never needlessly insulted or hurt people. But, you know, people nowadays, it seemed like their point is to insult and hurt you. And it's for their own internal reasons they're doing it. It's not because of love for your soul salvation or love for the Lord. They just, they're totally, like she said, they're totally wrong attitude about it. You could easily go to the person uh, by themselves you know and keep it on quiet but instead you just make a big ruckus all in front of everybody so they can see you well that's just the wrong attitude about that if you really want to help someone you go to them privately and and pray with them and speak to them kindly about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they might not even know that they offended anybody or that they were doing something wrong but now you just done jumped all on them and got told, that's what people like to say you got them told that's wrong that's not right mm-hmm.
0: hmm. and you know what's funny you say some people say i gave them a piece of my mind it's like you shouldn't have done that because you don't have much <laughs> to begin with right. <laughs> <should have> Amen. <laughs> okay uh in the next paragraph she talks about how um uh, the Lord qualified her husband for the work of repro- reproving and faithfully dealing with the erring, And she said it was such a burden on him and that if he would, if he failed to do his duty in any respect, he would incur the displeasure of the Lord. And she says that although she never thought of his judgment as um, infallible, nor that his words were inspired, but she's she's always believed that he was better qualified for this work than any one of the other preachers because of his experience and because she had seen that he was especially called of the Lord and adapted to the work. And she said also in many cases where persons had risen up against him and his reproofs, he was shown that he was right in his judgment of the matters and in his manner of reproving. So she was saying, you know, he's not a perfect person, but you know, he was, he was shown to be right in the end.
3: Uh, I, and, like you know, she, I like what she said. She acknowledged that, yeah, he's not infallible. He's not necessarily inspired. Just like any of us, the Lord asked us to do things or to say things. We're still struggling on our own, you know, to follow his will and his way. That doesn't make mean that we take on a holier than thou attitude and she also <laughs> pointed about his experience which a lot of people have no experience in the area that they're talking about but he has experience and then especially also his manner of reproving the way he did it was also very uh uh ex-
0: mm-hmm. uh-huh and you know do people like being reproved Does anybody like being told, no. really you know,
1: no people paid? we don't. We don't. We
0: don't. And and a lot of people are very defensive, very defensive. And they wanna, if you if you reprove them, even in love, they wanna start calling your names and you know saying some expletives to you, or they wanna start talking about you and 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 and, and you know pointing out what they think is wrong with you. A lot of
1: people will do that to you. People don't... But you know, don't... Sister Karen, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead,
0: Patsy.
1: I think, first of all, I would... I, I, I hope that we build a rapport with somebody before we just go off and, t- and... you know, there are certain sisters and brothers that can say something to me, and i and I listen, and I'll be like, you know, you're right. Y'all need to pray for me. Because they, you know, because I know that they've already built a report with me that shows me that they didn't just say it because they wanted to hurt. they saying it. This is what you need to do, sister, and you need to get a grip on your attitude. And I, and I take that as these, those are the ones that I would, and, I'm, and I hate to say this, that I consider true brothers and sisters that would just tell me when I'm wrong, but then say, I love you, and if you want to talk about it later, call me back. And, I, and I, I just thank God that there are brothers and sisters that will do that and won't hold a grudge or get mad because, you know, I may not agree with you at that time. But at least I know they're doing it because they care and they love. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. And that's a good point, too, she made that these people have a relationship with her. If you just go up to somebody you don't even know them or even worse, you've seen them, but you've never tried to be friendly with them at all. Yeah, they're going to get defensive. It's going to be like, you got your nerve talking to me after you did this and that. But if it's someone that you have a relationship with and you've talked about different subjects and they've shared some of their things, thoughts and feelings with you and vice versa, it makes a whole big difference. You know, then they can come to you and talk to you and you know that, hey, this is my friend. She's trying to help me out. He's just trying to point me down the right road as opposed to somebody you don't even know and might not even like trying to tell you how to act.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we see that it is important, first of all, to be qualified by the Lord for the work. Um, And the Lord lay the burden on us for um, correcting the airing, but also that we have to do it in love. No, that's something I've prayed about with the Lord and say, Lord, show me how to speak the truth in love, you know, because it's one thing to, you know, see stuff happening or hear stuff being said. And you don't say anything at all. But you don't want to be uh, you don't want to start an argument or start up a conflict or something. And then it's another thing to speak it and you start a conflict. So I'm like, Lord, teach me how to speak the truth in love. You know, that's not to say it won't start a conflict, I guess, or won't start an argument, but at least, you know, that my heart be in the right place. And I don't say it just like, well, you, you, blah, 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 you know, uh, in an accusatory manner, you know, or something like that.
3: And that's kind of what she was saying about his manner of reproving. It makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. The way you come, the way you approach people can make all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: I'm finally in a place where I can talk. I have you on two different places. I do that sometime when I'm on the move, okay. but um i I find that it, like Patsy said, relationship is everything. you just can't come through you don't speak to me and all of a sudden you're gonna reprove me mm. we gonna have a problem mm. <laughs> you you don't start none don't won't be none.' Is <laughs> what my attitude has been mm. but I I, I I almost I welcome God's chastisement. And sometimes I can come from, I've been chastised by by, by a child and it was wisdom, Mm -hmm. you know, like I I may be frustrated trying to get something done. And when the babies were little and uh, thank God for church school, they would stop and say, auntie, did you pray? Mm -hmm. To me, that's wisdom. That was reproof. You just, I had to get, I had to readjust my attitude. I welcome that. But I've also been in a position where I could see uh, someone going down the road that I have been in, and I already know where the pitfalls are, and you want to say something, but you're not sure how to say it, and I prayed on it, and the Lord told me, just give them your testimony, and either they'll receive it or they won't. But I'm not accusing them or putting them on, you know, front street or, you know, they mm-hmm. can either receive it or reject it, but I just gave mm-hmm. my testimony. This is what happened to me when I did XYZ. Mm-hmm. And I noticed, you know, I noticed you at X and um, Y or whatever it is. And, you know, there had to be some relationship there, of course. But um, I had to pray first. And he just said, gently give them your testimony. Mm-hmm. That's it.
3: And, That's it. Um, Excellent
4: yeah. way of a, doing.
2: A
3: it, word too. to the wise is sufficient. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's she knows she just be beat me over reproof.
1: the head. <laughs> 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 you hear, what, hear what I say, Sister Karen. Everybody said Paula knows she just be beat me over the head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that's an that,
3: excellent uh, way of doing uh, it. too. Okay. I'm sorry, but that was an excellent way Paula mentioned giving person your testimony because you've been through that. You know, this is saying, hey, oh, how you feel? I've been through that exact same thing. I have some knowledge of it, like she had said about her husband, experience with that. So now I'm more willing to listen to you because you've had experience with it. you going through it. So I can kind of count on what you're saying a little more than somebody who has no clue about who I am or what I'm going through. hmm hmm
0: um, in the next paragraph, she talks about the effect of her husband reproving people. And she talks about how, for 20 years, um, the people that he had reproved had, indul- and their sympathizers, of course, because they're going to have people that they go and talk to about it and to get on their side. And it's people that agree with them, obviously. Um, how that, that, they come back and they indulge an in accusing spirit towards her husband, and that that has really burdened him down and weighed on him, and um, that it was a burden that he really it was unjustly borne on him. But then it, she talks about how um, then when he got sick under all these burdens, oh they rejoiced, oh they thought it was wonderful, <laughs> oh they thought you know, oh uh, 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 it was a result of his 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 having. Reproved them, and it was in a in a in a um, in a uh, roundabout way. It was the result, but it was not the result of them having reproved them. It was the result of them uh, holding it against him for what for reproving them. Really, um, and so she said that um, the thought was that the Lord at that time reproved him for his quote, unquote, cutting and slashing of them. And um, she said that um, that was not the case at all. And she said, uh, what, what what was her vision in the next paragraph?
1: Anybody want to tell us what her vision was?
3: Oh, God.
1: Yeah, she goes on to say in, in a vision that, that she, um, her husband, she was shown that God had accepted his humility and, a, and an affection of his soul before him and that the confession of his lack of cons- consecration to God and the repentance of error and mistakes in his course caused him such sorrow and dependence, going I say, dispensers, of his mind doing, doing his uh, protracted illness. And I think what I got out of that was that he knew God had him to do that because God gave him the, you know, the, the, the Holy spirit led him to let them know. And through that, you know, he's seen his own people turn on him. And that's not a good thing. You know, when you, when, you know, when you see your own people that you're, given even with her given a message from God and your own people turn on you. That 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 had to hold, I mean, way at least, you know, as a human on his heart and on his mind.
0: hmm
1: Anybody
2: else? Yeah, they, uh, Go ahead. God, like she said, God accepted his humiliation, the affliction of his soul and his confessions for his lack of consecration to God. Um, the errors of his mistakes and so he like uh, recognized where he had been wrong too uh, and things mm-hmm. that he, mistakes he had made and mm-hmm. then it was called to him sorrow and despondency during his illness you know when you get sick when you get uh, sick like or in pain and you're sick really i tell everybody you're not really thinking right anyway first of all and then you know who the evil angel person, you know, I don't want to speak his name, he will come to you and remind you of everything you ever done wrong, and some of those things that you thought was right at the time that you did, he'll point those things out to you, and you're just at a very weak point when you are sick, so I guess that's where he was, and um, probably begging and pleading for God to forgive him, because you know who, the evil our enemy, was bringing before him everything that he had done wrong. You know, mm
0: hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says in the next paragraph that she was shown that her husband's greatest wrong in the past had been an unforgiving spirit toward those who had injured him and his influence, or basically injured his influence in the cause of God and brought upon him extreme suffering of mind by their wrong course. And she said he was not as pitiful and compassionate as our heavenly father has been towards his erring, sinning, repenting children. When those who have caused him the greatest suffering acknowledged their wrongs heartily and fully, he could and did forgive them and fellowship them as brethren. But although the wrong was healed in the sight of God, yet he sometimes in his own mind probed that wound and picked at it, I guess. And by referring to the past, he suffered it to fester and make him unhappy. And the fact that he had in his past course suffered so much, which in his opinion, might have been avoided, led him to indulge a murmuring spirit against his brethren and against the Lord. And in this way, he lived over the past and revived trials which should have passed into oblivion instead of embittering his life with unprofitable remembrances. So basically, he was not letting go of the past and the things that these people had done to him, even though, you know, they had apologized or what, some of them had apologized or whatever. And he was still letting those things come up in his mind. And even though the Bible says you should give, forgive a person 70 times seven, that means even when it comes up in your mind, even if you've already forgiven them, forgive them again and let it go. But he was remembering those things. And when, and when, and when they were coming back up in his mind, he was, he was letting them ruminate in his mind and uh it was i guess still having an effect on his health and um so he he, he didn't have the truly forgiving spirit that 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 the lord wanted him to have and and that and the realization that when people fall under the the temptations of Satan, it's just, it's he didn't have the pity and love that he should have had exercised for these people.
2: Any comments there? Yeah, I think it's really hard to forgive people. Sometimes they um, hurt you to the core and they do things that are um, completely unnecessary. And then you are stuck with forgiving, asking them to forgive you. You know, um, and stuff because you know, are forgiving them, and or sometimes asking them to forgive you. But it's hard to to forgive them again. Getting sick is another issue. That's just another issue. pal. really that unforgiving spirit contributes to the illness, you know, that you have and stuff. So he, uh, I can, I completely understand it because you know, you're just mind. You can be, I can just be minding my own business, and something from out the blue will come. And if I'm in the wrong way, in the wrong mindset, then I can chase that thought down, as she's saying, instead of letting it go. Chase it down, you know, relive it, re, you know, re-experience the hurt, et cetera, et cetera. But you said something that was very important, uh, Karen, is that when these things come up, then to just forgive the person again, remind yourself and forgive them again. And you, you know, I like that. See, it really brings real meaning. To that, um, to that verse, 70 times. How many times should I forgive? 70 times, 70. Because you might have to, and maybe, you know, like a seven is a number of completeness, and it takes that much to completely forgive. So that was really a very deep thought that you gave us, Karen, about when you, you know, you just have to keep doing it over and over, over and over. And whenever you are working for God, or trying to work for God, Then, you know, Satan will bring up, he will create, he will create enemies for you. You know, he will create situations and set you up for this lack of uh, forgiveness and everything that will be in your heart, in your mind, killing you, causing high blood pressure, heart disease, cancer, whatever it is. Um, And, you know, and um, also hurting the other person because they may choose, well, I'm not going to ever be around that church anymore because you know they don't forgive their unforgiving people and stuff so it's a um i think that's very enlightening and and it's very important to keep that in our minds they you know they doing stuff and it's hurtful but it's not putting a crown of thorns on my head they're not putting nails in my hands they're not you know being you know like um I haven't died for them and they're ungrateful, you know, they might have just said something I didn't like or did something I didn't like. Mm-hmm. 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 Right.
1: And you, know, like, are you, like, you like, know, Karen, yeah. Karen throughout, the week, throughout the week, I said, Lakita teaches us ways to do breathing techniques and she concentrates on different things. And when she, concent- when she had us concentrating on forgiveness, it's not just, it's not for the other person, but it's for us to know that if we're children of God, we have to forgive. And like it's like, and I agree, it, it's hard because especially when you forgive a person, they go back and do the same thing. Then you say, I gotta forgive them again. But it doesn't mean that you are accepting their sin. You're just saying to yourself. God told me to forgive and that's what I got to do. And I think sometimes that's where some people, when they do it again and again, they they're like, oh, that person is weak because she, uh, she, uh, you know, she she let me do it again. But it's not that we're letting you. It's you know, they don't understand that we're praying for them, that they will stop doing it. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh Go ahead.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I like what
4: everybody said, but Karen, you just added another layer to that scripture where it says seven times 70. I've mm-hmm. always taken that on face value that, you know, every time I have a problem with, you, you know, an issue with this person or situation, I have, you know, I take it to that night, God forgive them, help me to forgive them, and blah, 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 blah. I mm-hmm. say it, and I, I say, Lord, help me to forgive them. And particularly if it's someone that's close to you that you have to deal with, you know, you Mm -hmm. can't avoid. And it's a mate every time your mind goes and it's funny, the the enemy, even when you're in prayer, he'll let that situation creep up in your mind. And then you're back in that same place where the offense took place. Mm -hmm. And so that seven times 70 applies also to when those moments happen, when that thought comes back up, Lord, help me to forgive. Help me to forgive. Because even if i have really forgiven, I haven't forgotten. Right. But I noticed some instance, I say, like, Lord, what do you do with that? I'm begging you to help me forgive. And I, and I don't, I, I don't feel any kind of way about that situation anymore. That's when I know I've come out of it. But there are mm-hmm. other situations, like I said, when the person is close to you, when it's a relative, you know, somebody that's in your heart and they've offended you and you have to and you have to keep dealing with them. It's hard to forgive. But now I'm going to start applying that seven times 70 to every time that thought tries to pop back up and take me back to that place of unforgiveness.
2: Mm-hmm. And then it's like um, two like promises You know, you claim the promise, you claim that you forgiven, you know, we don't, you don't may not feel like forgiving him at the time, but, you know, I exercise saying, I forgive you, you know, God has forgiven him, I forgive them, you know, and then the Lord will begin to help you once you declare, I forgive them. And you have to declare it over and over and over. At some point, empathy comes in and you begin to see the person maybe differently, you'll begin to see them with compassion that whatever, you know, they're doing or did or whatever, you know, that's their downfall. Like I think it said, she goes on to say in her about, um, hold. hold on for a moment. It says the Lord permits might responding. Let's see. Okay, I got to find that part, but it's talking about the people The people uh, who needs forgiveness, too. They are, um, you know, like injured people, hurt people, you know, traumatized people. They got stuff going on in their lives too. And so, you know, once you get to that place of forgiveness, and um, the Lord moves you beyond that, because you, it's hard. We can't do it. God has to move us beyond that. Then we can see the other person as a person you know not just as somebody who hurt me but as a person and then I want to I want to say one more thing too about forgiving people it's kind of like I hear you know and you should think this too about you know, like uh I don't forget and stuff well you shouldn't it's like to me um if you put your hand on the stove and the stove burns you and it's hot it burns your hand then you don't go back and do it again ever. I mean, if you do, it's just an accident. So we don't put ourselves in that position a second time where we can be injured, you know, by the person. You know, now what that looks like, I don't know. But I do know that you at some point make a decision that I'm not going to put myself in this position where they like they bought some money, didn't pay it back. You don't have to do that to me, but one time and then not that I don't like you. I'm still going to talk to you. I'm still going to be friendly with you, but I'm not going to put myself in a position where I can feel all that anger and have to work so hard to get out of it because it's not good. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things she's saying in this paragraph, too, is that um, even though he had not realized the type of love and pity he should have towards his erring brethren in that even though he he had a head forgiveness for them he did not have a true heart forgiveness for them that these people were the real sufferers they were the real losers yes um yes and and as long as so long as he was steadfast and unmovable possessing the spirit of christ then they were the real sufferers and says when these souls begin to see their errors they had a hard battle to work their way back to the light by humble confessions they had satan to contend with they had their own proud spirit to overcome and they needed help from those who were in the light to bring them from their blind discouraging condition where they could begin to hope and attain strength to bruise satan under their heel and so you know, I've always said, you know, it's easier for, like, if you're standing on a stage, it's easier for the people that are down on the floor to pull you down than for you to pull them up. But if you're but, but if you're working in the strength of God and you're up on the stage, and, and and the Bible says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord, you can pull those people up. Um, and so she's basically saying you just stand firm you know and you'll be able to pull them into the light and help them come into the light um
3: i think one one of the things too to remember when you're trying to when you're talking to people you want to try and be encouraging because a lot of people are already feeling sad mm-hmm. and despondent and upset at themselves for making a mistake so as As fellow Christians, we want to try and uplift them and point them to God's mercy and forgiveness and not condemn them, which, of course, Satan's already doing that. So we want to remember to be uplifting and encouraging as we do point them to the right way.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And um, she's saying that she saw that her husband was too exacting toward these people who had injured him and he was dissatisfied. Which was no benefit to the, these erring people, and it just made his own heart very unhappy and unfitting it for the peace of God to dwell there. You know, that's 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 a statement right there. You're so unhappy with what someone has done to you that the peace of God can't even dwell there, even though you might be asking for peace. You ever you ever pray a prayer, Lord, just give me peace about this thing. But mm-hmm. you're so you're so unhappy about what, so dissatisfied about what somebody has done to you that God's peace, you, it, it, there's no room for his peace in your heart. You know, I remember one time, um, Steve Harvey saying, I was praying and praying and praying for a new car. And I was just praying and just praying for a new car. And he said, finally one day, I don't know whether it was his mother, or his grandmother said to him, son, what you go, where are you going to put a new car? He thought about that because he had his old car up on uh, up on those uh, concrete blocks in the garage. He thought about it. And he said, you know what? She's right. And he moved. He trashed that old car. And no sooner than he trashed that old car, he had a new car in the next couple of weeks. Dang. And so. Make we, room. Yes, we have to make room. We have to make room. Yep. And so we can't be holding on to ill will and ill feelings and then be asking God for peace. We're holding on to the very thing that's disturbing our peace. You know, we, we, we got ourselves chained to it. <laughs> and God is like, OK, I'm over here. I'm ready, willing and able, but you got to let that ball and that chain go. All right. Uh, any other comments on that?
2: Yeah, it's it's not easy to to let go, and it does take all of those seventy times seventy to to move away from and have complete forgiveness,
4: mm-hmm.
2: you know, or having forgiven a person completely for what has happened. But I think that. Um, <coughs> Having the desire to forgive, to relinquish, to let go, although it does, you know, come back to you, I think God honors that. Not that we have the desire and then refuse to do it, <laughs> but we have the desire, and we're in the process of just letting, mm-hmm. letting, uh, forgiving, working through all of these feelings and emotions and stuff.
3: When you talk about forgiving and forgetting, <laughs> I uh, there's a very interesting way this guy said it. He said that when he was younger, he had uh, hurt his, injured his hand and he had a big cut on his hand. And uh, every time he looked at it and touched it, it would hurt, you know, really bad. But as time went by, he could still look at it and remember what happened. But as he touched it, it didn't hurt as much. And then finally he could touch it and it didn't hurt at all, but he still remembered what happened because the scar was there, but it just didn't hurt anymore. And that's somewhat how forgiving and forgetting can be. You might still remember the incident, but it doesn't hurt as much. And then finally, it won't hurt at all.
2: Mm -hmm. You have to take yourself through that process over and over, you know, of saying, I completely forgive him. I have forgiven him because Satan will bring it back. He's going to bring it back when you're sick. He's going to bring it back when, you know, let's say you're on your job. And then the the supervisor tells you something which reminds you of this thing that the other person did. So he has to bring it back then and you're reliving this. And this is keep having these hormones and all these bad cortisol and stuff is being pumped into your system, increasing inflammation, causing damage to your body. That's the most important thing is that we just need to stop the damage to our bodies for sure. So, you know, um, if you're not going to do it, because you know, God has asked us to do it. Another reason to do it is because it's killing you to not do it. It's it's the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And and forget is is forgiveness for the person?
2: No, it's for us. It's no, for us. No,
1: it's for
0: us. Right, right. And so you know, does the person have to actually ask us for forgiveness in order for us to give it or in our own hearts and minds
1: give forgiveness.
3: No, 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 they no, no, them. no. Hmm. Okay. Also, I think that I think sometimes it is forgiveness helps the other person, too. If, if somebody's really distraught about how they treated you or did and they're asking you for forgiveness, it is for them also that you forgive. Them. Oh, yeah. It will help them to get rid of guilt and the uh, worry about it. So it is helping both people.
0: Well, yes, if they know about it, but if they if they never ask you for forgiveness, that was my question. If they never ask you for forgiveness,
2: yeah, if we can forgive people even if they don't ask for forgiveness, right? We can be we can yeah. be that generous. We can forgive them, and it's hard, you know, because it's going to be hard whether they ask you for it or not.
3: And it could be a learning experience for them if you bring it to them and say, hey, you did so-and-so, and and that really hurt me, and blah, blah, blah. They might not even know. So now it's also an opportunity for them to learn. There's several lessons involved in that. Yeah.
4: Yeah, but the worst is if you, you know, after prayer, supplication, whatever, and you go to that person to say, hey, what you did or said really... Uh, injured me in, in and in just spelled out to them what they, you know, the effect that they had on you and they don't even acknowledge it and all, and then they uh, further attack you, you still got to go back and forgive
1: that
2: person. Well, right. Yes Lord. And the thing with that though, at some point we come to a conclusion because that's really a sad thing because you they can't make it to heaven. You know, if they maintain that attitude right there, you know, going to them gives them an opportunity to yes, forgive you, but also to go to God and ask Him for forgiveness and ask Him to change their heart. You're actually doing them a great favor by saying, you know, you owe me an apology because you did so and so and so, and now my friends were hurt when you when this happened, you know, and then they like. Oh, shut up. That's just God showing them what they are made of and showing you who you're dealing with. And then you can manage them differently from now on. You know, Bible says, can a man take fire into his breast and not be burnt? This person, it doesn't matter. You know, like, I hate to say this, but it doesn't matter if they're family members or not. You know, if you are not able to be trusted with my feelings, I cannot, I will not allow myself to be vulnerable. In your presence. I, I will not allow that. And I probably won't spend a lot of time in your presence because I don't I really don't want to have to be working through all these feelings of anger because you acting a fool. You know, it's not necessary. Anyway, that's just my thinking.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, and then she talks about in this paragraph how the Lord allowed him to be despondent and to in regard to his own Mm -hmm. and to nearly despair of forgiveness. And she says, not because his sins were so great, but that he Mm -hmm. might know by experience how painful and agonizing it would be to be without the forgiveness of God. And that that he might understand the scripture. If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And so, you know, basically, God was letting that happen to him, so that he could see and under, truly understand, you know, what it would be like, you know, to not be forgiven. You know, yeah, and um, and and how you know that would that would we would all be thrown into a state of hopeless despair because if we're not forgiven, we won't see his face when he returns. We just won't. So mm-hmm. then she starts talking about this institution that they went to, which was a very interesting uh, paragraphs to me. Uh, but she started talking about the affliction that came upon them, and they went to this health institution, apparently, and I don't I couldn't really maybe one of you all could tell from it. I couldn't really tell whether it was an uh, Adventist health institution or a worldly health institution. It seemed like maybe it was a worldly health institution, and not an Adventist one. But that um, they they were sent there, and it was his will for them to go. And basically. Um, that she said that it, is, that it is impossible for those who obey the truth and are keeping his commandments to live up to their convictions of duty and unite with the leaders at this place. So far as serving God is concerned, their principles can unite no better than oil and water. So apparently the people at this place, whatever principles they were espousing from a religious standpoint were totally in opposition to the Bible or in opposition to the Bible. And um, they were speaking things, although she admitted that this this place was the top-notch health place in the country at that time. As far as health was concerned, you couldn't get better health care anywhere than there. But that, um, you know, as far as from a religious standpoint, spiritual standpoint, no. <laughs> there was nothing. Well,
3: I, there. Think she, I think she's talking about Battle Creek, because they had went to Battle Creek And a lot of the leaders there were against them and really caused them a lot of problems. And also during their history, the leadership at Battle Creek started becoming less spiritual minded and more worldly minded. So I'm thinking she might be talking about them during that time. We
0: could have. But, you know, in other chapters, when she was talking about Battle Creek, she spelled out Battle Creek. She didn't leave it as a blank. She was, (laughs) you know, she filled it in. So that's what just made me wonder but I don't know. You could mm-hmm. be right, but, uh, I don't know. Um, but, um, so she co- continues to talk about this place and that then, and, and the experience that they had there. And apparently, uh, it says their, their influence and in teaching teachings in regard to the service of God and religious life in direct opposition to the teachings of our savior and his disciples. Uh, I would, mm, I would hate, it, if it was Battle Creek, if this issue if was talking about Battle Creek,
3: um, well, you know what's his name? Kellogg got it all off into pantheism and all kind of foolishness.
2: Yeah, I think he went off into. And there's another thing too. We can look at, talk about that. The opposition teachings of our Savior, you know, being money grubbing. You know, wanting to make all this money off of people instead of giving away the services. Not giving them away, but you know, making it. Where it's affordable and stuff. And then sometimes it's the way people do stuff too that's not Christ like. You know, it could, you know. Well, well I she, don't know.
0: yeah, so in here she's saying that by, precepts, by precept and example, they were lowering the standard of deity. And they said that they do not have to sorrow for their sins or separate from the world in order to be followers of Christ, but they can mingle mm-hmm. with the world participate in its pleasures. Yeah. So they be making me think that that's, that wasn't Battle Creek, but like I said, you know, you could be right, Lee, but that was, that that right there made me think, okay, even though Battle Creek kind of veered away a little bit, I just, that was hard. No, to it's, it's,
3: no it's probably not because way down, she says again, and going to blank, blank, the Lord would have us benefited by an experience which we would not obtain while at Battle Creek. Surrounded by mm-hmm. sympathizing brothers and sisters, so yeah, it's a different place.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she said that the leaders at this place did not encourage the people to imitate the life of Christ in prayerfulness, sobriety, and dependence ag- upon God. And persons of conscientious minds and firm trust in God cannot receive one half as much benefit at this place as those who have confidence in the religious principles of the leaders of that institution. So basically, if you're a person of, you, who put your entire faith and trust in God, you're not gonna receive the same benefit from this place as, as if you believed in what these people believed in. Um, and so she said, that, she said that, that those who put your faith and trust in God completely, she says you have to stand firm against, braced basically against these teachings that they were teaching there. Um, sifting everything that they hear lest they should be deceived by Satan. And he, he obtained an advantage over them. Um, and again, she talks about it was the best health institution in the United States, but the leaders, their judgment was not always correct. And she talked about the leading physician there. Uh, basically, he, he, he wanted them to believe that his judgment was perfect, uh, just like God. That God judgment was perfect and God don't make no mistakes and he don't make no mistakes. And that yet, can be said, like most doctors
3: nowadays.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, Well, you she, know,
1: Karen. Go ahead. Go ahead. Pastor. No, go ahead and finish your thought. No, I was just you sure? say, Wait. Go ahead and finish your thought.
0: Okay, but, but she said that this doctor, that the head doctor of this place often failed, but he exalted himself as God. He, he failed to exalt the Lord as the only true dependence and the, and the one who's giving them any success I mean, at all. Go ahead, Patsy.
1: You know, sometimes, you know, you you can get on a prayer line and a person might be, you know, gifted as, as far as teaching, but their arrogance in that, if you don't think like me, then, you know, you're not going to heaven. It's not that they say it, but you pick that up. If it's, if it's not my way, then everybody else is wrong. And I'm like, you may be good at teaching, but you, 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 you put yourself in the place of God like, you know, I'm this and I'm that. Instead of, you know, teaching and praising God and you're saying one thing, but I guess I want to say your vibes and your, your speaking is saying another and I said, and, and we have that, I mean, it's in all faith. You got people that are very good teachers, but it's like they've gotten so cocky that they forget that it's God and the Holy Spirit that leads them to be able to, you know, to share the information. But they seem to think, you know, when you, when you listen to them sometimes, it's all about them.
0: Mhm.
1: Absolutely. And I think with this
0: leader at this institution, it was all about him. And his word was infallible. And, you know, what he said, don't need to look any further,
2: you know? You know what this also. so I'm looking at this and, um, you know, she's talking about those who cannot benefit it. Did you get to that already that you may not no, benefit it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can go ahead.
2: Okay. So, um, if you didn't believe this guy, then you weren't going to benefit from what he said. that, talks about the power of suggestion, the placebo effect that people talk about, you know, and stuff, you know, and it says to me that the mind is super strong, that literally, to be honest with you, if those people are getting a benefit from this man, more than likely they could have done their own healing. You know, they could have worked this thing out by themselves, but they, you know, it's kind of hard to explain it, but it's just showing to me how strong The mind is and the power it has over the body, especially in our healing. And so as we listen to and talk about, you know, to your doctor and stuff, your brain is taking in information. If you, you know, keep saying, um, you know, I just, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. It seems like the pain increases, you know, and sometimes (laughs) I don't know if you've ever talked to people and it's like, they are so like hopeless or like nothing can ever help them there is no way they can see a way out of whatever situation whether it's a bad marriage a financial situation or whatever that mind is in complete control of that and we are in control of our minds but we just don't know it mm-hmm. yeah
4: um I just have one one or two cents from what i was reading i went back up to 614.2 and it's not this institution. If it strayed away from the principles of God, apparently it was an institution that used to adhere to the principles of God. So that would make it an Adventist institution. And then uh, I guess ego and pride, because they were giving such excellent care. Um, and she said, like you said, no better uh, treatment in, in the United States or whatever. Um, it sounds like that their the science and the you know, their application of what, whatever the, they were doing to, to help patients was was right on time, but they had veered away from the principles of God. And in uh, four 614, it said you'd have to be in the, an independent thinker and um, really have your, uh, let me see, having the fear of God before them and trusting in him who can safely remain any length of time in blank. So you had to be really grounded to actually get the full benefit of this place because it was applying the medicine, the science, the logic was on point, but they didn't have the spirit of God anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
4: what I read into it.
0: Okay. 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 Well,
2: <laughs> but, but go <laughs> on down to <laughs> a little
0: about next. About faith, then. Because go
2: down to the next uh, statement because it says the great secret of the success at this place is in Work the control.
0: At, at located.
2: This is in um, 615, verse two, I mean, paragraph two. Okay. The great secret of the success at this place is in the control which the managers have over the minds of their patients. Mm-hmm. That that right there, because you, you can do, you can do um, all of the right things but at the same time, tell the person, you're gonna die. You know, I'm sorry, but this is not gonna work, gonna work for you. It's mm-hmm. really amazing. She's that's what is this is saying the great secret of the success, she's not saying is that it's in the treatments which are sound, but at this place, it's in the control which the managers have over the minds of their patients. That's scary, y'all. That's mm-hmm. very scary. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know the doctors be like, we don't want to give false hope why not if the person's gonna die when they're dead it's not gonna be you know there's <laughs> even gonna be there uh that's gonna it's not gonna be a problem that they believe they were going to live at a point so but um it's very scary
0: hmm. um yeah so she says down in the next paragraph she said God didn't design it that a man should control any other living man but that 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 excuse me but that basically basically i'm just gonna say it like this only the holy spirit should have control over our minds Mm -hmm. um, and not any man so you talk about mind control that's not something designed by god
2: it says i saw that my husband and myself could not receive as much benefit there as as could those of different experience and faith said the angel then it goes into that that God has a design that the mind of his servant whom he has chosen for a special purpose which is all of us to do a special work should be controlled by any living man that is a prerogative uh, that is his prerogative alone mm-hmm. yeah and you can't you know you are it's so simple we was I was doing um, a neurolinguistic programming, right and that's kind of, is hypnosis. I was learning this in school. Hypnosis all the way down to just, you know, uh, relaxation. So one day this guy in class said, I don't believe that you can control somebody's mind like that. And if they don't want you to, you're not going to control their mind. You know, I don't believe that. And so the the um, professor said, oh, you don't believe it, huh? No, I don't believe that you can control somebody, mind. And the guy just got lower and lower his voice and was uh, talking to this guy, and he had a conversation with him. And, uh, then the guy he said now, and then he clapped his hand and said, "Now, what do you think about that?" And the guy said, "About what?" Yeah, hypnotized that guy right there in front of all of us, and uh, he said hypnotize. He said about what. He said about what we were talking about. He said, uh, we weren't talking about anything. And everybody's like, yeah, y'all were. (laughs) Y'all was talking about anything. It's it's not that difficult to to have control of people's brains. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're not an independent thinker, you have to be connected to Christ, really. Mm -hmm. That's Um, kind of scary. Yeah,
0: mind control is. That's why I remember reading somewhere where she said we should never allow ourselves to be hypnotized because then that gives mm-hmm. someone else control over your mind. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, we should never and I, allow And them. I
2: think that we could, you know, I read, um, I'm sorry, yeah, I, whenever you talk about this kind of stuff, I get a little excited. But I read about this case here in St. Louis where this man, people was coming to him for counseling or whatever. And he was telling them that they were, it was, it, it's, it's not on the surface now, but that they were, um, I'm going to say like possessed by demons or, or, no, 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 had been in a uh, like raped or what in some type of group where they were raped and, and over and over and stuff like that. So he had these women believing that, you know, they went in to him because they were upset about their child, but every woman who went to him ended up being a part of a ritualistic type of satanic thing that he had to work these demons out of them or something. But uh I don't know how one person broke through, but they sued them and uh, they won their lawsuit, big, big lawsuit case here and stuff. But they go in for one thing, you know, they their husband having a hard time and then soon they would be believing that they were having ritualistically raped as a child and sexually all this stuff that they hadn't had in their their history
4: that's how that's how cults operate mind Mm -hmm. control people getting vaccinated in certain things and um people being what they call it being rationalized online and then they go and commit some mass murder or something because they got is, is that the word they keep looking at the same information and it gets in their brain. They call it being rationalized, like the Iranians do when they uh, do a terrorist act. You give your life, you sacrifice your life, and it'll be for a greater purpose. Yeah, no, that's not the word. Think
0: but I what that term is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking
1: about radicalized.
2: Yeah, radicalized. Yeah. That sounds...
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta ask you for. An, I got an example that I want to ask about. I had a person that went on vacation, and yet they 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 made the comment they didn't want another person to know where they went because of how that person feels about the area. Like for example, Branson, Missouri. And I thought, why would you worry about another person's thinking because you went to Branson? I guess I I didn't understand. It still, you know, I, I prayed about it. I said, I don't, I don't want the approval of a man. If I want to go on vacation, I'll go where I want to. But this person, I mean, they were very serious, and and I was like, I won't tell your secret. And I said, but when I go on vacation, don't t- I'm not going to worry about no man saying, you know, if you go down to this place, then you know uh, it's evil and all this. And I thought, why would another grown man be concerned about that? I just I never understood that, Akita, okay, You're the counselor.
2: <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. I hear my my needle. You're saying it if somebody you were going on vacation, someone is saying to you, "Don't go down there because it's evil."
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, somebody. And let me just say that this person brought me a back a t-shirt. But they didn't want me to mention that they ever went down there because of another person is putting people down for going down there saying it's evil and, you know, you go down there as a Christian. And, and I thought, why would, and, you know, and I, I kind of said it to that individual, why would you worry about what he thinks? And I just couldn't understand this person is so, fr- and I thought, isn't that more like a cult? You're worried about what a man thinks or what you do to your scared to even say you had a good time on vacation?
2: Yeah, I do think that sometimes uh, Christians want to, um, I'm gonna use the word control, from, I don't have a better word right now, want to control how people, um, how people experience Christianity. They want it to be done like they do it. And that's not what God has access to do. You know, so this person doesn't, when people come into the church and then people and and, uh, the members, older members, be like not older in age, but you've been in the church longer. Then they start right away saying what they can do, what they can't do, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's kind of affecting people and they just trying to do the right thing. So they may find themselves doing what other people say. And then it takes years to work yourself out of that. I mean, Years because it is a a big influence on you, you know, and it's it's we have to be careful not to just be telling people. It's not our job to be telling them, you know, where they can go and where they can't go. But that person doesn't know because they that person like I came in a church and there was a whole bunch of things that we weren't supposed to do. So much, so many things. You almost scared to walk on the Sabbath, but then. Somewhere the Lord breaks in through all that darkness. It took years to do it though. But I was trying to live up to what everybody else was saying. And yes, Pessie, it is like a cult. That is cult. It's not Adventist church. It's not a cult, but, you know, people putting all of their stuff on you. And sometimes it's their interpretation or God may have said to somebody, don't watch 2020 or 48 hours. And then to me, he might, I might be look, looking at 20, 20, 48 hours and don't think about it. So they come to me and say, that's a sin and you're not supposed to be doing it and blah, blah, blah. Well, God didn't tell me that that's what he told you. And so you have to do what God tells you to do and leave my relationship with God alone. But mm-hmm. most people don't recognize. Okay, that made sense. That. Yeah. Most people don't realize that right away. You know, you are just a babe in Christ. You, you're just trying to do the right thing
0: mm-hmm yeah yeah uh let's finish out this paragraph and then we're going to stop for today and uh take up the rest of the chapter the next time that we're on testimonies for the church um and she talking about how they would not receive the same benefit as someone who, who did not have the strong faith that they had and so basically um but she said the angels of god kept them while they were there Angels of God were round about them, sustaining them every hour. But the time came when they could no longer benefit, nor be benefited. And she said, and then the cloud of light, which had rested upon them there, rested with them there, moved away. Tell me about another time when there was a cloud and you had to follow the cloud. Anybody?
2: When they crucified Jesus. (laughs) The Israelites...
1: Mhm. Mhm. And when they crucified Jesus,
0: okay, Lakita, you tell me first about your cloud, and then second, you tell me about your cloud, uh, uh, Patsy.
2: Well, you know the um, Israelites were led by a cloud by day and by uh, I guess a fire by night or something, but that's why they the Lord led them through the wilderness, and mm-hmm. um, His presence was with them. To mm-hmm.
0: that crowd, mm-hmm. and then Patsy, tell me about your crowd.
1: That, that they they the those that could have spoke up and knew that Christ hadn't done anything, they went with the crowd because when they hollered crucified him, there was those that even the disciples that could have spoke up, but they didn't. So you know, out of fear of what the crowd thought, you let a man go to the cross who was our Savior. Okay, so you're talking crowd and not cloud. Yeah, I was talking crowd. C O C R O W D.
0: Okay, okay. I said so you were talking cloud.
1: Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay,
0: okay. That's why I wanted you to kind of clear that up for us. <laughs> okay, all right. So I think the cloud we were dealing with was the one Okita was talking about. Okay, all right. So yeah. So basically, she's saying that. The- there was a cloud basically there, a cloud of light. And when it moved away, she said they could find rest only in leaving there and then going among the brethren in Rochester where the cloud of light rested. So uh, apparently they were following the Lord's leading. He let them there for a while, for a season, but then it was time to go. He said, oh, gotta go. So <laughs> yeah, y'all heard the expression Time to go. You don't have to go home, but you got to get up out of here. So yep,
2: apparently,
0: uh-huh. apparently um, the Lord was taking them away from that place because it, it was like, you know, now you're no longer receiving any benefit. If you're not receiving a benefit, then you're receiving a detriment at that point, And it's time to go. All right. Uh, any last remaining comments or final comments on that portion that we studied today?
1: And my comment, too, is sometimes God places you, even with churches, sometimes you may be so used to your church and God, God you know, opens your eyes and says, you know, I need you to fellowship over here because you have a skill that they can use. And it's hard, to, you know, because to, 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 you get so attached to your own church. And it's hard sometimes when God, you know, you go to a church and they say, "Well, can you help us out for a little bit, you know, a little bit, you know, with this and this and that?" And it's like, okay, but you know, I, I'm still, you know, I'm still connected to my church. But I think, you know, we have to realize God will use us where He wants us to be and how He wants to use us, and we just have to have an open heart.
0: Hmm, that's true. Yeah. That's very true. You know, it's funny. Years ago, I went to Las Vegas, and while I was there, I contracted some kind of illness, and I had it for about a year. A year, and so uh, Andre asks me now, because uh, he's never been. He says, "I would like to go to Vegas." I said, "I don't. <laughs> How do I never <laughs> want to go to Vegas." And he says, "Well, what if the Lord was leading you there? What if the Lord wanted you to go there and witness and..." And, and, and when souls also Christ, I said, it would have to be the Lord telling me to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to go back to that place.
3: <laughs>
0: and he and I said, that place calls itself openly city. I don't want to go back there. <laughs> but you know, yes, of course, if the Lord told me to go, I'm not going to be like Jonah. You know, so the Lord dinner. walked among sinful people, too, to save them. Yes, he did.
5: Yes, he but did. That that was the Lord
0: failed me to go. <laughs>
5: <laughs> on, I have one comment. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Paula. No. Oh ahead. no, I have one comment going back to my uh, original point where she was talking about you have to have a strong faith to get the benefits that that institution obviously had because it was, she said it was the best in the United States. So it was some benefit there, even though she understood that they had strayed away from spiritual things. And that spirit left them there to get what they could get. And they could only endure and receive benefit because they did have strong faith and they weren't taken in by the other mess. But once they got all that they could get medically, physically, or whatever this institution had to offer, the Holy Spirit led them away.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does
5: that say for us today? Am I strong enough to go to places like you were talking about Vegas? Some people can't handle Vegas. If I went to church, and it was funny when you all were talking when Patsy was telling her story, I was like, how many times have I been to Vegas? But <laughs> I don't go to church and say, these are my stories from, you know, pictures from Vegas because <laughs> somebody's going to project their stuff on me. I don't have an issue with gambling. I'm too tight fisted. You know, <laughs> I'm not going go to make yeah, rent. I didn't gamble. Not one. Yeah, nickel. Right. I'm not there for that. I mean, the Grand Canyon, their tours, you can go skydiving. You could do so many things. There are shows you can go to restaurants. Almost free food that, you know, the light shows, even if you never went to a to a casino, you could walk down the boulevard and be entertained for three nights, mm-hmm. you know, and not spend a dime. And so, so I guess my question was looking back at this, uh, what Ellen G. White was writing about we have to recognize our own weaknesses and our Mm -hmm. own strengths and Mm -hmm. and be prayerful before we go into certain situations. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. she knew that they had fallen away, but they had great medical care. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have to, uh, you know, with, uh, what is it, prayer and supplication before we subject ourselves to certain situations, institutions, facilities, whatever, even jobs. Mm -hmm. I have to be particular that, about my job search that's
0: an excellent point because because even if even if i i'm saying the lord would have to speak to me and tell me to go to vegas but also prayerfully if you just went on your own you would have to you should ask the lord or what wherever you're going ask the lord is this a place that i should go to now at this time in mm-hmm. this time of my life you know what i'm saying
2: and we, we God, don't ever that. do that I love what which just
0: when we think about going someplace or going on vacation or going wherever we just pack up and go. We never ask the Lord, Lord, is this a place I should go? like those people that went down to Mexico and got killed and got kidnapped, you know, they probably never thought about asking the Lord is this the time and a place we should go to? you know what I mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh
2: yeah, just I think I like, I like what you said, um. Uh, about like knowing yourself, knowing what you can handle, and like not showing people those pictures, not because you're hiding something, but because like you said, you don't want all this stuff on you. You know, if you, it's really irritating. You know, you come to church, you're happy about something, okay? Like maybe it's a new hairstyle, or or maybe you got some new fingernail, a new fingernail polish technique, or whatever. And you show it to somebody, you are happy. Well, you know, Sister Carol, we ain't supposed to. Come on now, leave me alone. It's like, just leave me alone. It's not a sin. It's not a sin that we go over here and look at these lights and stuff. I've always wanted to go to Las Vegas because it sounds like there's a lot of stuff to do. You know, it just seems like it's a lot to do there. But um, I like that. I like that meeting us to having your own personal relationship with God. And that's what it's all about.
1: Yeah, because Sister Lakita, I agree with you and Sister Paula. There's just certain things you don't share. And I had a person to tell uh, that made a comment about me fixing up my house. That evidently I I don't plan on going to heaven since I think it's important to fix up my house. And I thought, I'm not in the world. I, I just said, I'm not in my mind. I said, I'm not in the world. But I mean, you know, as far as spiritual wise, I'm like, but I do live, have to live until Christ comes. But I just let that person just go ahead and put me down. And I just said to myself, I pray for, you know, that's his opinion. And he's just a man. You
2: know what? Well,
4: a in your house a is good stewardship of what God yes. has blessed you with. First of all.
2: Yes. Yes. And here's the, the thing for me, too, is I feel sad for people. Man, people are so, that's bondage right there, <coughs> so in bondage that, you know, the roof is falling in on your house, roaches running around, the uh, the, the mice and rats are laying up in your bed. You're talking about, I don't want to fix it up because it's the time of trouble, you know, and at the same time, asking God to get rid of the rats and the mice and the roaches and come on, people. You know, yes, you do. You know, I think like this. God has prepared for us streets of gold, right? You know, the, the 12 foundations are made of, what is it, 12 gates are made of 12 pearls, you know. You know, that has, that has to be a huge pearl. And then, you know, all of the different types of, uh, of jewels that's up in heaven. He didn't, and he said he's preparing a mansion. And he didn't say one mansion for five people. He said, a mansion for each person. God ain't about being shoddy. He made one flower. He made millions of flowers for us so that we can love all that he's done for us. And he opened a way for you to get that stuff. That was God's hand that did it. My question to the person, so are you questioning God on what he's going to do for me? That's my question to him. You telling God that he's wrong for doing that because he didn't have to do that.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so
2: uh, anyway lee gave me the the the, um thing for next time it's called separating the wheat from the tares okay okay all right so that's where we'll
0: be uh next time we meet and um thank you all for joining us today for our discipleship
2: class and uh lakita do you mind praying us out most honorable father in the blessed name of jesus we are so grateful that we can come together and study your word and discuss Christian, um, Christian principles and issues that have to do with our own personal lives and our own personal walk with you, Lord. We are so grateful that we have the opportunity to have our own personal relationship and that you yourself will direct us and tell us the things that, are, you know, that you that give us the gifts that you have for us. And Lord, we ask that we will not judge others, uh, walk with with you and as we will ignore others judging our walk with you. And we thank you so much for these Sabbath hours and for this class and for those who are here. We ask for your sweet success in all that we do and that the love of Jesus will shine out from us so that others will see you in us and uh, decide to have you in them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Everybody, don't forget the graduation today down
1: at Berean.